You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Let's pray. You can grab a seat. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of worship, or that we are practicing uh, for a day that we will see you face to face. And Lord, may churches all around the valley be filled with great joy this morning as they're singing praise to you. Lord, we feel most at home when we're honoring you, worshiping you, living according to your word. So this morning, God, we dedicate this time, this service to you, that you might meet us right where we're at, that you would empower us, change us, renew us, and restore us, refresh us in the name of Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, hey guys, great being with you today. Welcome to North Valley. My name is Ryan. I serve as a lead pastor here at the church. And uh, last weekend I was gone and uh, Dr. Deal preached a pretty funny message I heard. And uh, I was actually at a wedding back at the Rice Ranch. Uh, My little sister got married. Uh, We had a great time. I'll show you a couple of pictures. Um, But my sister got married. There's my son right there looking pretty dapper people called him a mini-me, and I, I said, well, hey, I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, although he was a, he's a lot more handsome than I was at 13. Um, but that's, uh, we had a great time. We had about 300 folks there. It was really encouraging. You'll see some more pictures. Um, we'll show you here. You can rifle through those for me, Kevin. It, it, that was, at the, that was uh, by our pond, and um, a bunch of just a bunch of people. I had cousins, second cousins, aunts. They were driving in from Houston. I mean, it was a, it was a blast. And here's a picture of my brothers right here. Um, I'll show you this next picture. That's Rob right there. He's bald. He's ahead of me. That's where I'll be in a few years. So if you're wondering what my head's going to look like, it'll look like that. And then uh, there's Dave right there. Uh, Dave helped me plant the church. He, he's definitely the Duck Dynasty type right there. Uh, he became a Christian right, right around 16, 17. I reached out to him and said, you need to follow Jesus. And uh, together, we actually came out here and helped plant the church. Uh, he helped me plant the church years ago. Now he's living back there. And there's my beautiful sis, Isabella. And uh, she got married. It was so cool to be back. But you know what's so fun? I came back to Phoenix. That was a humid spot. It was very, real sticky there, like a steam room. And it was awesome to come back to be in Phoenix just to enter into the oven. 110, we're getting cooked today, you know. Uh, But it has been a really great treat for me. I I love the blue skies. I love seeing the mountains around the valley. And I love more than anything being here with you guys. Um, Our vision has, my wife and I came out here and to establish the church. And we just said, Lord, we want to give one lifetime to one church for future generations. And so I'm excited you guys are a part of that. We're in a new season of ministry. And um, I want to give you an update. Um, Some of you were here a couple of weeks ago when I shared about our campus. Um, I want to take a few moments um, to share with you kind of what's going on. We have a storage facility. Um, Those of you who don't know, we bought and purchased this campus. We've only been on site for about a year now. But we've got a storage company facility um, trying to purchase... um, these two parcels on the sides. Our property is a nine-acre campus. It's the bright green. And um, right now, there's a strong proposal in place to install 
um, where you see the fields would be in the future, um, an RV and boat storage. And so to me, that is a big bummer negative because um, imagine trying to get onto campus on a Sunday morning. Imagine Easter morning. Easter, we had 1,000 people here. Um, uh, imagine trying to get in on campus on an Easter morning and you have boats and RVs pulling out trying to get out. Everybody wants to go to Lake Pleasant. Everybody wants to go up to Flagstaff. That would be tough, to say the least. Um, so I'm asking you guys to pray. A storage company has more money than the church does, and they want to buy and develop these very quickly. Um, everything's developing around North Valley right now. You see right next door, we got 120 homes coming in, which, by the way, I think that's really cool. I'm really excited about these homes over here coming in. Um, the majority of those folks will be millennials. I'm excited about that, but I'm not excited about this. I don't think that's the right plan. I do think that we need to just pray and see what God wants to do. And so I've asked all of you the last couple of weeks, would you set your alarms at 12 o'clock and pray uh, for God to provide resources for us to acquire these properties? Um, so here's what I'm asking you to pray specifically for. I'm just asking that you would pray, pray for an extraordinary gift, a very large amount of resources and capital to purchase that property as a donation. That'd be a miracle, right? Woo, praise the Lord, hallelujah. That would be awesome. For the church, it would be incredible. Secondly, I pray for uh, maybe if God would want to use a land banker situation. Um, I met with a senior pastor down at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock this last week, and he said, Ryan, he said, you know, we went through a very similar thing just like this, and I approached a couple of business guys, and I said, would you buy and hold the property? And then when the church grows to a size and needs the property, we could buy it back. And he said it worked wonderfully. Um, so we pray for, pray for either a very large donation to help us secure these properties, not only to protect our current ministry operations, but also to position the church for future growth. Um, that's the prayer as a, a, a large donation or a land banker. So I'm asking you to pray uh, with me on that. And let's see what God's going to do. At the end of the day, God's way is always the best way. And so um, I'm fine with that. But I, as your pastor, I don't believe it is God's plan, and I could be wrong, that those properties are supposed to be storage facility companies. I believe that's supposed to be used to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. I believe that we're to use this area to preserve that campus. When we purchased the property, um, that it was preserved as about a 15-acre campus, and I came in with a team of people and said, well, we can only pay for the nine because that's the buildings, and we are rehabbing those buildings. And so those other two properties... Let's pray they do not get purchased by the storage company. Let's pray that God would provide extraordinary resources to accomplish uh, uh, his plan for our church. So will you join me in prayer for that? All right. Um, a couple other things before we get started is I just want to uh, bring to mind um, uh, after service, I'll actually be right over there. There's a new connection corner. I want to encourage you. If you got an idea about that campus operation thing, and you're like, hey, I'd like to talk to Pastor Ryan about that. Just meet me over there. I'd love to talk to you about that. Additionally, uh, after uh, today's service, 12 o'clock, we're going to be jumping over to class 101. If you have not yet done that, exploring membership, my wife and I will be uh, uh, teaching that class and facilitating that time. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, so 
last but not least, uh, summer is here. Um, my wife and I went to Arkansas just last weekend. A couple weeks, we're going to Disneyland. I've never been to Disneyland before. I don't know. Do you like Disneyland? Raise your hand if it's a good place. Okay. I don't like big lines and big crowds, and, but, but I'm preparing my heart to be supportive, you know. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm just saying, it's summertime. Go have fun. Have fun with people. Go spend time with your family, okay? But don't forget about the church and the ministry of the church. We have lots of events for youth every single week going on now. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you got youth, uh, to, to connect with us, summer events. I want to encourage you to do that. Don't forget about giving. Your giving fuels the ministry of the church. Historically, giving goes to a low during the summer. Attendance dips down. Let's just be countercultural. Uh, let's continue to give. I want to encourage you to set up your giving online during the summer. That way you can travel, go have fun, and don't, work, don't, don't leave the church in a pinch. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. Well, let's pray, and we'll jump into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning. Lord, we pray uh, in regards to the campus. Uh, Lord, you know the exact plan that you have before us. You say, a man plans his way, and the Lord determines his step. So, Lord, in faith, we prepare a plan, and we're asking you uh, to reveal your will uh, for the future of North Valley in regards to this campus. We love you and surrender everything to you, but we do pray in faith that you would preserve this campus and that you would use this opportunity that we could position our church to reach more people for Jesus Christ in the North Valley. We pray as well, Lord, that this time together would be encouraging, challenging, uplifting, and right now, Lord, we come to you and invite your Holy Spirit to minister in this time to help us grow in more a life of holiness that leads to happiness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, well, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up to Psalms chapter 1. No greater spot in Scripture to start in, I think, for a summer series. Uh, if, if, you know, the heat kind of, kind of brings you, can really lock you up in your house and Especially you young moms, you got to figure out ways to get out of the house and have fun, but not get burnt, and uh, you know, and survive the summer heat. But uh, the Psalms is is really it's a summary teaching. The whole book of Psalms is the teaching of holiness is the source of ultimate happiness, and sin as the source of misery and madness. The Psalms have been widely used for public worship and private devotionals from generation to generation. Over the summer, we're going to be looking at the Psalms, and it ought to encourage you in your private devotional life. I want to challenge you that through the summer, you'll read through the Psalms. I think it will refresh you. It will renew you. Uh, it'll be a great opportunity for us to grow together. You know, I can think of, I was inspired to teach this series um, more than eight years ago. Uh, a friend of mine who's a very successful doctor um, had launched a, a new practice, and uh, the economy hit, a uh, recession hit, and then some of the medical practices changed, and the laws changed, and it cr about crippled and crushed his business. He went into a major financial crisis, and I would go and meet with him and minister to him from time to time, and he told me, he said, Ryan, that was the darkest season of my life when all the laws changed, the financial crisis hit, and I said, what did you do to survive? He said, I read the Psalms day in and day out. And God used that, the word of the Psalms to minister to me in some of my most challenging times. I've been a Christian for 20 years, and the Psalms is where I go to find renewal and restoration. 
my encouragement to you as we go through the summer and we think about um, um, growing together, maybe you're facing a hardship, a business change, a, a relational change, um, some kind of setback or health report that didn't come in right. I want to encourage you that God's Word teaches us that the holiness is actually the pathway to happiness. Here's what the Psalms says. Let's read together. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams that yields its fruit, it in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The word blessed there literally means an ex, exclamation of strong emotion, as if resulting from what, the, reflecting on the subject. I can imagine the psalmist in uh, King David, in his discouragement, would go to God's Word, the law of the Lord refers to the first five books in the Bible, to understand God's ways and God's Word. He would go there, and in that, he would delight and be encouraged. So what we're going to do this morning is, I want to help you understand finding happiness even in the hard times. The first thing is, is the psalmist encourages us to do something very practical but very powerful. Number one, if we're going to find happiness in hard times, we need to separate ourselves from the wrong kind of people. People have a big influence on your life. There's the wrong kind of people that you can hang out with in the workplace. There's the wrong kind of people you can hang out in the community. You hang out with the wrong kind of people, it'll drag you down, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationship, discourage you spiritually, diminish your joy. But look what the Scripture tells us. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's a progression there. Uh, you don't walk, you don't stand, you don't sit. When you're walking uh, in the wrong crowd, it'll drag you down. When you're standing around, it gives more time for trouble, more time for temptation. And when you're sitting down, you're just a part of it. You're just in it. You know, I can think of one of the most challenging times in my life when um, I first became a Christian. I read this Bible verse, uh, and I realized that there were some wicked people in my life that I needed to separate from. Uh, prior to becoming a Christian, I lived the life, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I called myself a professional partier on, <clears throat> in high school. We'd throw parties. We'd have Ole Miss, University of Arkansas, Louisiana. They all show up, and, and we had friends in those colleges, and they'd come down and party with us. The debauchery, bad time. As a result, I watched some of my friends commit suicide. I watched some of my friends go to jail. I watched several girls, uh, heard stories of them having abortions. It was a dark, twisted time. Become a Christian, 18 years old, and I'm wrestling with this reality. I'm a new Christian, and I'm supposed to be with new Christians because I'm tempted to go back and live the old life. Psalms 1 challenged me that I don't need to, I don't need to walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
I can't do that anymore. I need godly counsel, not wicked counsel. I need to not stand in the way with sinners. I don't need to participate and hang out and stand around Friday nights with people that are sinning, fornicating, cohabitating all the time. Can't do that. And so I remember I got on, uh, I made a decision for Jesus Christ, 1997, the summer, 1997, Colorado, and uh, got on the, it was a youth trip. I was a senior, just graduated, was about to go to college, had this wonderful, so I thought, wonderful life. And then when I met Jesus, he turned it all upside down. So I get on the bus, I'm driving back to Little Rock, and my friend says to me, Ryan, you need a whole brand new life. And I say, how do I do that? And he says, the first thing you got to do is you got to separate yourself from all your old friends. He knew that because he came out of the party culture and he knew there was no way I was going to survive in my faith if I just entered back into that. So I had a girlfriend at the time. I had a bunch of best friends I'd grown up with and we all partied and did the whole same thing together. And uh, I got back on the bus and I remember I drove down and I got to the church parking lot, got in my car, had a pack of cigarettes there because I was smoking. I said, Lord, I'm going to quit smoking today. Went back to my house. Um, and I told all my roommates, uh, you know, hey, guys, I became a I tried to say Christian. How many of you ever tried to tell somebody you're a Christian and it just doesn't come out of your mouth very well? It's kind of afraid. How many of you are ever afraid to share your faith? Why don't you raise your hand? Okay. Is everybody just bold? How many of you are afraid to share your faith a little bit? Raise your hand. Okay. So I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Like, I need something, I need a little help. I'm a Christian. Finally got it out. My friend says, what does that mean? It means, and I told him, I said, I can't hang out and do the same things we used to do because I know it's wrong and I know it's bad and I want to follow the Lord. So my friends made fun of me. Then I went over to my girlfriend's house and I told her I became a Christian and she was so upset with me because I became a Christian. She, she broke up with me and I, and I wanted to break up with her because I knew it was the right thing to do. And I went back to my house. I had no more roommates because they were all in trouble. And so I kicked them all out. Had a, a, there was a new house down the road, a couple miles down the road. Everybody partied there every Friday night. And on Friday night, I was alone. And for a year, I was alone. I didn't have any friends. And I'm 18 years old. I was the most popular kid in the high school, if at least that's what I thought. And now I'm the loneliest and the biggest loser in the world. And I'm a Christian. And I remember I was, at the time, I was infatuated with Guns N' Roses, Metallica, uh, ACDC, Nirvana, Skid Row, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying all those bands are bad, but let me ask you a question. When you listen to music, it takes you back to a place and time. And when I was partying all the time, I would listen to that music, get high or drunk or do whatever, and that became my world. And so on Friday nights, I remember I had my music, and I put it in, I played it, and as soon as I played it, I started getting grieved because it started tempting me to go back to the old party life. So I tested God. I hadn't read in the Bible that you're not supposed to test God at that point. But I tested God, and I said, God, if you don't want me to listen to this music anymore because I struggle with this, then don't allow me to play this kind of music and allow the CD player only to play the Christian music. Now, I'm not advocating you can't listen to anything else but Christian music, but this is what I was going through. So I seriously put in their Nirvana, which I used to get stoned to all the time, put it in, 
press play, and nothing happened. Then I put in my Metallica, press play, used to get stoned to it all the time, nothing happened. Then I put in a Christian CD, and boom, it's blowing up the house, everything's working. I'm like, God, you are so good. My encouragement to you is this, is that you've got to make a separation with people that are dragging you down, pulling you down. There are people in your life that are wicked. They're antagonistic against the Christian faith. They're either atheist or agnostic, and they hate Christianity. Those are called wicked people. How do you protect yourself from wicked people? You get lawyers, or you have to carry guns. Wicked people are very dangerous people. There are sinners that are constantly sin. We all sin, but here in the Scripture, these are people that are dragging believers down. You're hanging out with the wrong crowd. It'll, it, it, you're flirting with the wrong person. You're spending time at the, uh, in, in a conversations and communication with the wrong... It'll destroy your faith and your joy and your happiness in Christ. The pathway to happiness is holiness. Or sitting in the seat of scoffers. For me at the time, you know, what would that look like contextually? A scoffer is somebody who mocks God, who makes fun of the Christian faith or makes fun of believers. A scoffer is somebody who does that. What would it look like to sit with scoffers today? I think this is what it could look like. I want to challenge you on what you, how you participate with crowds of people. Maybe it's events. Maybe it's parties. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's circles of friends that are living a life that is totally contrary to the life that God's calling you to live. Maybe it's going to a movie theater and laughing at the most evil, horrendous thing and joining a group of people that is, it's, 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 it's a, not a healthy thing to be enjoying. The scripture tells us that you need to separate yourself from the wrong kind of people. They will drag you down, discourage you. So many of you go through discouragement. So many of you are, are struggle with uh, being critical on yourself. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with the right kind of people, the kind of people that encourage you, the kind of people that aren't hypercritical of you, but they're constructive and they help build you up. They don't necessarily just overlook your weaknesses and your sin and your sorrow, but they help you to grow. You need to separate yourself from the wrong people and find the right kind of people. Secondly, I want to encourage you to saturate yourself with God's Word. Psalms 1-2 says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Charles Haddon Spurgeon um, wrote a commentary series on the book of Psalms, a huge commentary series. Uh, he struggled with tremendous uh, health issues. Um, most commentators and historians agree that he struggled with depression. And he would go to the Psalms and saturate his soul with the Scriptures to help him through his hardest times. In fact, the commentary series that he has, um, it's called David's Treasury, if you want to check that out. And I'm leaning in on that as supplemental resource to help um, encourage you in this message series. But Spurgeon was a famous preacher from Europe uh, years ago, and he talked about the importance of delighting in the law of the Lord. It's really a supernatural act, an extraordinary act to delight in God's law of the Lord. What is that? That is the, for the 
contextual context, that's the first five books of the Bible. The psalmist is talking about delighting in God's Word, enjoying it. He says, on his law, he meditates day and night. The word meditate is a really interesting word. In, in here in, this, in the Christian context, and even in this context, meditation has been said to be, is to the soul what digestion is to the body. Um, when you digest something, you get it into your system. And when you get it into your system, it becomes a part of who you are. When you allow the Word of God to saturate your life and you meditate on it day and night, it's always with you. When you, you could read the Bible in the morning, and sometimes my encouragement to you in an information age is sometimes you don't need more, you need less, you just need to go more in depth with the little that you receive. You hear a scripture and it touches your heart. You hear a song and it has a biblical truth to it. My encouragement to you is take that, hold on to that and say, God, what do you want to use that in my life for today? I'm going to repeat it in the morning. I'm going to repeat it in the afternoon. I'm going to repeat it in the evening. Because what's happening is in our culture is that we are unsensitive or desensitized to the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Satan. And he, the enemy, breathes lies and uh, uh, deception into your life, and you have this thought process in your head, and you hear these voices that are saying things, maybe not an audible voice, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you have this thought, I'm unlovable, God couldn't forgive me, God gives up on me, God doesn't want to bless me, God couldn't love me the way I need to be loved. There's a limit to his forgiveness, that's the voice of the enemy. But when you saturate yourself with scripture, you allow yourself to to meditate, and it changes you. How do you delight? You pray prayers like this. God, help me to hate sin and to love righteousness. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Praying prayers like, God, I want you to help me to hate and grieve anything that is ungodly, unproductive, and help me to love what is good and right and righteous then your delight will be in the law of the Lord. As a new Christian, I loved reading the Bible. And as an old Christian, I wished I loved reading the Bible all the time, but I preach it all the time and it can get old. So I pray prayers like this, God, renew my heart for your word. Help me to love this better. Help me not to love something else more. I want to love your word. So in the Christian life, you got to realize this is good stuff. The scripture is, and we're to saturate ourselves in it. The Hebrew word, um, the word meditation in the Hebrew actually means, real funny phrase, but it means chew the cud. And it's kind of an agrarian, uh, agri- uh, or, or more like, a, oh, I'm sorry, more like a farm stock kind of thing. It's where an animal digests the grass, chews it up, swallows it down. The word meditation is like this phrase for understanding digestion or chewing it up. So when somebody teaches or preaches and they say, hey, chew on that, that's, that's where it comes from, this idea right here. I had a, uh, how many of you guys ever um, seen or uh, uh, a llama? Have you ever seen a llama before? Okay. Those aren't the most gentle creatures. Some people think they're really nice because they're not as big as a camel. But I'm just going to tell you right real quick, I got a story to share with you about a llama and it relates to chewing the cud. And I just need to tell you, llamas, first of all, are evil, okay? 
my uncle Frank had this llama down in Texas, and he had a big ranch, and uh, he told me that D-Berry got out, that was the name of the llama, and whatever I do, don't run, because it'll chase you. And the faster you run, the faster the llama comes after you. Well, D-Berry would always chew the grass, and then he would do that thing where he's chewing, and then he would come up to you, and I don't know if you know this or not, but llamas will spit on you. They will, they will chase you down, they'll step on you, and then they spit on you. I mean, they are bad creatures. And so I'm out there at the ranch, and D-Berry's loose, and I hear my Uncle Frank yell, Ryan, D-Berry's loose, don't run. And I look over my shoulder, and he's hucking it across the field. So I take off and run. I'm not sitting around for that thing to come get me. So sure enough, thankfully, there was a Jeep in the middle of the field, and I ran to the Jeep, and I thought I was safe, but there was people in it, and they didn't want to let me in. So I had to run circles around the Jeep, and D-Berry's chasing me the whole way through. I throw myself under the Jeep. D-Berry sticks his head underneath there, chews up the cud, the grass, and then goes all over my face. Chewing the cud, meditation. You know, the, the reality is, is how did that connect? I'm telling you, you won't forget meditation now. It's chewing the cud. My encouragement to you is that you've got to saturate yourself with God's Word. You chew it up. You digest it. What you hear on Sunday, you take home. You read. That's why we connect our neighborhood groups to the services. So you're taking the Word of God. You're applying it to your life. You're absorbing that. And then you bring it back up and you rehearse it again. I don't think in an information age you need more. I think you need less. You just need to go deeper with what is right in front of you. I used to read the Bible through and through as fast as I could every year and try to cover the Bible like that. And I'm going to encourage you, if that's you and you like to do that, great. But I don't need to read the Bible just to check a box. I need to read the Bible to connect with the living God. And what I've learned over the years is I can take a verse and just meditate on it and connect, and I connect with the power and the presence of Christ right there, and I walk with it all day long and say, God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this verse right here. I'm going to quote it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to pray it, I'm going to live it out. Because sometimes you need less, you don't need more. You just need to go deeper with what you got. You need to saturate your soul with Scripture. I want to encourage you this summer that you need to think of the church as a watering hole for the soul. The whole campus is laid out like that, this beautiful paradise right here. You've got to water, you've got the grass, you've got the trees. It's a beautiful space. I mean, granted, yes, you do have to drive through Tijuana to get to paradise to be here. You know, when you drive in, you're seeing all that stuff. You're like, man, this place looks bad. But then you get here and it looks good. The Word of God is a source of strength and refreshment. The church ought to be a watering hole for the soul. It encourages you. It lifts you up. It strengthens you. It cleanses you. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to situate yourself for God's blessing. Psalms 1.3 says this, And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You know, I can think of a story of a, a single mom who came to me not too long ago, and she had gone through a terrible divorce. And she said this to me. She said, Ryan, I came here, and I was really discouraged, and I didn't have any hope. And I came to this church because I needed, a, I needed to start over. And I challenged her. I said, you need to plant roots. 
get stationary, build a new community. And by God's grace, she did. She took the advice, she established roots, got into a neighborhood, got into a, a service team, started to serve, and began to experience God's fruitfulness and vitality in her life. The Bible tells us that we're to be like trees planted by streams of water. Not a wild tree, a weak tree, but a strong tree. Planted by streams, not one stream, but multiple streams. Let me ask you a question. What kind of streams of God's grace or God's goodness are flowing into your life? Do you have God's word flowing into your life? Do you have God's people flowing into your life? Do you ask for God's mercy and his grace to flow into your life? Because if you don't, you won't grow. You've got to be planted. You've got to be situated. You've got to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to position myself in, as, in my marriage, in my workplace, as a single, in an environment that I will grow. And by doing so, you bear a lot of fruit. But let me tell you something. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the root. Don't focus on trying to become all these things. Focus on what you're situated in. Where is your root system going out? What's the nutrition of the stream? Is it God's grace? Is it God's word? Is it God's people? Those are the things that help you to grow. In ancient Israel, the idea here was that there would be canals that were dug out, like the Phoenix Valley. There would be no life in this valley if it weren't for those canals that carried in all the water to help this city thrive. In ancient Israel, these would be streams, these would be dug out streams that would bring water to the fields and to the vineyards for there, there would be a, a, a healthy crop. And the Bible tells us that we're to be like a tree planted. Wherever you're planted, you need to grow. But you will not grow if there are not streams of God's grace and God's goodness, God's word flowing into your life. The Bible tells us that in all that we do, we can prosper. Now, the version of prosperity is oftentimes different from God's perspective of prosperity. One of the first things that God wants to prosper in your life is your own spiritual life. He wants to take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. He wants to help you turn away from anger to turn towards peace and reconciliation. Sometimes we think God's going to prosper us just financially or in some other way, but God does want to prosper us. And when you are in a position where you situate yourself intentionally with, around God's people and God's word, you will grow. The Bible's committed to that. God's word tells us that. The Lord is committed to that. I want to encourage you in your time ahead that this is the take-home truth for you, is that holiness is always the pathway to happiness. You will never be happier in life when you're living a life of holiness. I want to encourage you as a single, live a life of holiness. That means you're going to be different. That means that you might need to separate yourself from people that are dragging you down, discouraging you. If you're married, you need to protect your marriage. You might need to separate yourself from other couples that are dragging you down or discouraging you or whatever. If you're in the marketplace or in the workplace and you're around people that are dragging you down, constantly negative, constantly critical, constantly crushing your emotional well-being and your spiritual well-being, I challenge you, separate yourself from those people. If you're constantly around those people, that's not healthy for you. If you're in an environment where you're not constantly saturating yourself with God's Word, you're not going to thrive. 
I want to encourage you this summer in the Psalms. Might you saturate your soul with God's Word and grow? Might you situate yourself in a position where you say, I'll make a strategic position of myself in my life where I'm going to go where I can grow. I'm going to be in a place that God's going to bless me. I do think that you need to, as a Christian, that you need to constantly try to situate yourself to receive God's blessing. You've got to constantly be on the move to say, God, I'll go, I'll do, I'll walk, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything because I want your blessing. Why? Because that's the greatest path to happiness. It's our greatest joy, and it brings God great honor when we live a life that's surrendered to Him. Happiness comes through holiness. Don't try to find happiness apart from holiness. It never leads you to true happiness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy of the Spirit of Christ that you promised would be in us, and your prayer was that our joy may be full. And I thank you, Lord, that you um, are a joy giver. I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of hard times, you can bring a sense of joy and happiness. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray there'd be intentional efforts to live a life of holiness and that we would pursue that day in and day out. Where there needs to be changes and modifications in our life, might we turn away from areas that would be sinful or harmful or hurtful and turn towards you, your grace, and may the streams of grace of living water restore us and renew us in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.